Hello and welcome to another episode of Cut the Scrap with Lena. I'm super excited to have everybody back here. Um, We're going to start the first part of a three-part series this week um, called Me Too. And as you guys know, the Me Too movement was started a while back. It's kind of lost its steam, but it hasn't lost its importance. Um, It's about women speaking up about, not just women, men too, speaking up about times that they were sexually assaulted. And as a lot of people know, I am a three-time sexual assault survivor, and I speak pretty openly about these situations. I find that the more that I talk about them, the less power and ownership they have over who I am and um, how I feel about those experiences. So I'm going to share those with you. I will say um, as a fair warning that if you are somebody who is easily uh, triggered by talking about those kinds of things because of your own experiences, first of all, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. And I totally understand if you cannot listen to um, the next three segments um, because I am going to speak honestly and openly about them. Um, some of them are progressively worse than the others, and some of them um, were just kind of the tip of the iceberg. So kind of covers all three uh, situ- or all, all situations. So I'm going to start with the first one. Um, I was 15 years old when I was molested by my best friend's dad. Um, my best friend's Dad was a professional athlete. He was a weightlifter for the United States and Cuba in the Olympics. Um, and they lived about a block and a half away from me. A little backstory on why I think he might have targeted me. Um, I mean, he could have just been a sick person, but if I had to guess... Um, Prior to this happening, rewind back to eighth grade, I had a really big crush on her brother. And when all of my friends were talking about all the stuff that they had done with guys, which I don't know how much of it is true or not true, but um, I had not even kissed a boy, like really kissed a boy. I mean, obviously I kissed my friend's brother when we were little, little kids, but like I hadn't had a boyfriend. Um, and so I thought I would tell a lie about hooking up with my best friend's brother, who I liked thinking that no one was going to fact check me on this and no one would know any better. So I told a lie and then the person that I told it to, um, her name is Gina. She decided to further drag this out because she was secretly dating him. And I mean, as much as you could date somebody in eighth grade, she was secretly dating him and wanted to embarrass me. So she had me tell another friend of ours named Helen, who, um, while we were on a class trip. And then once we got back and they told their friends and and the rest of our our group and I ended up getting confronted 
Um, she made like a big spectacle of it. She like gathered all of our friends. She brought Frank. Um, and it was just a, a big to do. And I remember being in the bathroom at lunch and having, you know, it feel like a teenage horror movie where you, you know, you're washing your hands in the sink and you're looking down and you look up and there's this like circle of girls behind me, just like ready to pounce. And they completely humiliated me. And I ended up hiding the rest of the day in the bathroom. And, um, I think Frank felt sorry for me. Um, he, which is almost worse I think. Um, but I don't think he was really on board with her embarrassing me. And I don't believe they dated very long after that. Um, but I ended up um, going home that day. And, you know, it seemed like I never wanted to go back to school again. And I couldn't imagine, you know, moving past all of this. So I took a bottle of aspirin and I took like 16 aspirin hoping that I was not going to wake up the next day. And I went and said goodnight to my parents, goodbye. And I called my one friend who was out of town who missed all the drama and just so I could hear a friendly voice and talk to her. And then I went to bed. And the next morning I woke up with like a huge headache. Um, but I had to go to school and face the music again. And kids were, like, throwing things at me. And it was, um, it was pretty awful. And our parents got brought in because of all the, um, arguing and fighting and stuff at school. So our parents got brought in and, um, obviously it came to light what I had said about what I did with her brother. So I think her dad knowing that kind of, like put a target on me. Um, maybe him thinking that I was interested in doing sexual things. So fast forward now to, um, the summer between freshman and sophomore year. And, um, his daughter, Christina, who is my friend, like we had fallen out during the Frank thing. Um, she thought I was just using her to get close to her brother, which was not true. And, um, so we fell out for a little while and became friends again. And then the summer before, um, the summer when all this happened, her and I were, um, deciding to get back in, like, into some kind of shape and, you know, wanting to gain some confidence and feel good about ourselves. And, you know, so we could, you know, like, start our sophomore year feeling good. So... We asked her dad for some advice and he suggested that we start running with him and working out with him and he would make us meal plans and exercise plans and, you know, him being a professional weightlifter and, you know, I mean, he knew a lot about it. And so we were like super psyched and we'd gone for a run that night. The next day, um, we were, I was going to go over there and, uh, we were going to get started. So I called the next morning um, like mid morning, mid early afternoon. And he answered the phone and said that, um, that she had gone to, Christine had gone to a picnic with her mom and that they would be home soon. Um, so if I wanted to just head over, 
like that they'd be home, you know, shortly. So I could just come over whenever and him and I can get started on mine. Um, and he's, and then which sounded completely legit. And then, um, right before we hung up the phone, he's like, don't tell anybody you're coming over here. And I thought that was so strange. I'm like, why? You know, um, he said, you know, it sounds, it's going to sound kind of weird. You coming over here without Christina or her mom here. And I don't want your mom to worry. And he knew my mom and my family and, um, my mom would have worried, um, rightfully so. Um, but I was just like, yeah, that's right. I guess, you know, that makes sense. My mom does kind of worry about things and yeah, that's fine. I won't tell anybody. Um, but after we got off the phone, I still felt a little sketchy about the whole thing. So I told my sister where I was going and, um, I said, I told her what he had said about not telling anybody. And she's like, well, that's kind of weird. I said, well, you know how mom is like, he just, you know, he just didn't want it to sound awkward that I was going over there. She's like, I guess, you know, it is kind of awkward, but okay. So I went and then thankfully, like as I was showing up there, their neighbor across the street happened to be, um, walking from their car to inside the house and they waved at me and he answered the door and he saw them and he waved at them and you could just I just remember this look of like like confusion on their face like what was I doing there like his wife's car wasn't there maybe they had seen Christina leave with the wife that morning for the picnic um I didn't really know so but they just looked kind of confused and I went in. And as soon as he shut the door, I knew I had made a mistake. Um, I just got this feeling that I should not be here. Um, and noticeably became tense. So we walked into uh, the kitchen and sat down at the kitchen table. And at first it was, you know, typical, normal conversation. Hey, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. You know, we talked a little bit about working out and, and exercising and stuff. And then the conversation started changing and, um, he started being like a little bit flirty. And I just, when I was responding to him, I just started getting louder and louder. And he's like, Hey, you know, you're talking really loud. Christina's dad, our grandpa's in the other room sleeping. Like, I don't want to wake him up. And I was like, oh, sorry, sorry. And then we kept talking and I kept, again, getting louder and louder because part of me wanted her grandfather to wake up. Um, I just, I didn't, uh, I wanted somebody to know that I was there and somebody else to be in the room with us. And he said, you know, like, I think you're, you're going to, you're talking a little bit too loud. Like, let's go in the other room. And we got up and walked like started walking down the hallway and like I just like was panicking like inwardly panicking um and then I felt him his hand grab my butt like holding on to my butt and I like became stiff as a board I was just like oh shit um and just froze and I wish that I could tell you that I screamed that I fought that I did anything. I was like a complete deer in headlights. 
um, at this point I had a boyfriend. Um, I had had sex. I had, you know, I wasn't completely as naive as I was, you know, before when I had told that story about his son. Um, but it was still, uh, I was still young and I didn't have a lot of experience with these kinds of things and certainly not with somebody his age, certainly not with a friend of mine's dad. Um, and, and the only boy I had really like done anything with was my boyfriend. So, um, who I was in a relationship with still at the time. So it was, there was like so many things going on in my head. Like, this is absolutely crazy. Like what is about to happen? And then the fear kicked in that like, this is a man who lifts weights in the Olympics. I am like maybe, I don't know, 130, 150 pounds tops. Like, this isn't good. You know, if I freak out and he thinks like he's going to be in trouble, then I might not leave here and nobody knows I'm here except for my sister. And like, I don't know, just complete panic. All these things going through my head. Meanwhile, he's ushered me into his room and he's talking to me and I'm completely not listening. So I couldn't tell you what he was talking to me about, but I'm pretty sure it's something to do with my body and how I had like a woman's body. And I just remember like little like blips of him saying things. And then I remember him like lifting up my shirt and like rubbing his hand across my stomach. And then... He took my shirt off and I was just standing there in shorts and a bra. Um, and he uh, he went to touch me again and my uh, his phone rang and it was his wife. And she was calling to let him know she was on her way home. And as he was talking to her in the hallway, I just started looking around his room. I don't know why. But I did. I started looking at everything I could look at. Um, and I had noticed the shirt from a reunion that they had gone to the night before. And I studied the shirt. I don't I, Again, I, I couldn't tell you why I did that, but I did. And um, I had never been in his room before, so I was just kind of looking around. And um, when he came back in, he's like... He's like, here, put your shirt back on. He's like, they're going to be coming home soon. And then he's he's like, come out, back out to the kitchen. And, uh, and he, I, he's standing in the, in the kitchen and I'm sitting back down at the table. And I'm like, oh, um, oh, he started talking to me about going down to Miami, which is where his son, his son lived. His son had moved down there right before high school. And... So he, I think he was using him, like, trying to, like, convince me to go with him there. And he's like, oh, we should go to Miami. We could visit Frank. And um, I was like, oh, my mom's never going to let me do that. And he said, oh, um, we could just tell your mom that you're spending the weekend with, with us. And or we're going to go camping or something, you know, to where she would let me go. And I said, oh, I don't know. I, I don't know if she's, she'd be okay with that. And um, she'd probably come check on me or what if she wanted me to come home or whatever. Just trying to think of excuses. I just wanted to get out of there so bad. 
And then a light bulb went off and I'm like, oh my God, I was supposed to clean the floor before I left to come over here. And he's like, what? I said, I told my mom I would scrub the floor um, in the kitchen before I came over here and I didn't do it. And she's going to be home from work and it's not going to be done. And you know how my mom is and she'll get really mad and I need to, I need to go. I got to go. I got to clean the floor, but I'll come back. And he's like, he's like, you can't just do it later. I said, oh no, 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 no. I don't want to get grounded. And then I'm not going to be able to come work out later. Like I'll just go and clean the floor really fast and then I'll come right back. And he's like, okay. He's like, um, yeah, well, you know, think about what I said about going on that trip or whatever. We could be alone together. And I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm, I'll, yep. I'll think about it. Like I'll try to figure something out and, um, but, uh, I gotta go. So I'll be, but I'll be back. And I started walking, you know, out the door. And as I'm walking down the driveway, he's like, he's like, you're walking really stiff. He's like, uh, he's like, relax, loosen up. And, uh, and the neighbor again, that had seen me go in, saw me leave. And as soon as he shut the door and I rounded the corner from their house, I just took off running just took off running and I ran right past, I get to our driveway and my dad and my sister were getting out of his truck and, um, and they're like, they're like, what do you, like, I don't run. Okay. P.S. I don't run. So seeing me run, like something's up, you know, <laughs> somebody's chasing me or something is wrong. And so my dad and my sister are like, Hey, what's going on? And I just like ran past them and I didn't say anything. So my sister um, I call my boyfriend and I'm like, I need you to get over here now. I need you now. Um, I can't, you know, I'll, I'll explain when to get here, but I need you to get here. And he was only, you know, maybe 10 minutes away. So he's like, okay. So he's gets in the car to come over and my sister comes in the room and she's like, what's wrong with you? And I told her what happened. And she just like, I was kind of a mess. And I just think she just calmly like walked out of the room and, um, so I'm, I'm waiting for my boyfriend Vince to get there. And when I come out of uh, the bedroom, my dad and my sister are just looking at me in like horror, just like, like he didn't know what to say. And, um, and I'm like, what did you do? And my sister said, I told dad. And he called the police and he called mom. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I was like, what did you do? You know, why would you do that? Like, that's Christina's dad. Like, that's my best friend's dad. And like, what did you do? And um, I was mortified. I didn't, I had no idea what was going to happen. And I just knew like, now the police are coming. Like, this is like going to get like worse before it gets better. And I remembered, you know, what I had gone through with, with that family and her brother and all that stuff. I mean, even though that was a lie and this was the truth, I'm like, this is just going to get really, you know, not good. And so the police show up, my boyfriend shows up and the police show up like right around the same time. And they had just started asking me questions and my mom bursts in the door and she just looks at me and she's like, are you okay? And 
And I was like, yeah, I'm okay. And she just shuts the door and walks back out. And you just hear her saying, I'm going to kill that motherfucker. And she just walks out the door. And, like, right in front of the cops. And, like, she was going to go over to his house and kill him. And these, and the cops just, like, one of the cops just, like, follows her outside um, to go stop her, talk to her, whatever. And she was just, like, complete, like, clear as day. Like, not crying, whatever. She just looked, like, rageful. And I remember being so proud of her for just like a second, just being so proud because I would have thought that that would have been my dad's reaction. Um, and it was just like such a mama bear thing. And like the, you know, another of the many reasons I loved my mom was like the way that she protected her children. And, um, I just thought that like, like, yeah, like kill them, (laughs) you know? So, um, but I was also like like horrified, um, and I just I remember having to. They brought my mom back in, and I had to, you know, say everything that happened, which was so awkward, in front of my family, and and then I got pulled in to do a deposition, and um, he of course pleaded not guilty, um, and his family, you know treated me like I was lying again and um which sucked like I was like if I really have to say you know don't be a a, what is it chicken little or something that like the sky is falling don't tell lies because you never know like when you're gonna need people to believe you um it's gonna be a lot harder so you know I got hate mail it was like a big to do at school. I couldn't be left alone with male teachers. And um, I was just like an emotional wreck. It like ruined my relationship with my boyfriend at the time. Um, and he even ended up uh, leaving me for my best friend. And it was just my my other best friend, Emily. Because um, I really was, you know, just kind of a mess. Like one day I was like, touch me all the time. And the next day I was like, don't touch me anywhere ever. Um, it was an emotional roller coaster. Um, and it really, it just really was like the beginning of kind of my spiral downward. Um, and it was, um, I remember having to go to court and the judge had me stand up in front of his family and say what I think should be his sentence um, where I just said I thought he should go to jail and be violated the same way he violated me um, in front of her, his entire family, Christina and her, her little brother and her mom. And ugh, it was awful. And um, they ended up actually living like in that same house and going. She went to school with me like all through high school. So it was super awful because I would see them at like school functions and things I just could never get away from him and I remember him telling me at one point that um he would never forget about me that even when I forgot about him and time had passed and um when I was grown that he would come find me 
And it stuck with me for a really long time that I thought that I saw him in different places. and um, But really, he got kind of a slap on the wrist. He got a year's mandatory counseling and a year of probation because there was no penetration in the molestation. So he got he got off pretty late actually. Um but he did get registered as a sex offender for the rest of his life. And I have looked him up on Facebook. Um and it looks like he lives in Miami. Um and I don't see his wife or his kids in any of the pictures that he has. So I'm assuming either she left him after like Christina got out of school or he did it again and she left him. But I've never found Christina. Um, she never talked to me again after that situation. I mean, I don't know that I would have either being in her shoes um, if my dad molested one of my friends, like how, you know, well, what could I even say really? I mean, how do you, and if, especially if she didn't, she didn't believe me, but he did get found guilty, um, because of the neighbor that saw me come and go, um, in like probably a half an hour time span when nobody was there. Um, she also, I also was able to describe um, his bedroom and the items in his bedroom, including um, the shirt from the reunion the night before, which happened to be sitting uh, sitting in his room. Um, and there's no way, if I was never there, that I would have been able to, to describe that shirt because she had just got it the night before. And... Um, you know, she'd been home, obviously, till she went to the picnic. So the only time that I could have seen it was when I said I did. And there's just a, the phone call to from his wife to him at that time. Like, how would I have known that she called to say she was on her way home from the picnic if I wasn't standing right there when she made it? So there's just too many, too many things that got him tripped up. Um, and he ended up getting found guilty, but it really didn't change anything in the long run because, you know, he still didn't, uh, didn't really get a sentence worth a shit. Um, I think considering that we lived a block and a half away from each other, um, they could have done more to protect me. Um, but... They didn't, and when I got, I had to go to mandatory counseling after, and um, I only went to one session. Thankfully, there was not like a a number as to how many I had had to go to. Excuse me, um, sorry about that. Um, there was a number as to how many I had to go to, so I went to one, and um, I remember them like kind of somehow turning it into me being. Uh, having a problem with my dad and I remember being frustrated with that and um, it ended up causing some issues with my dad my family ended up finding out that I had sex with my boyfriend uh, because he tried Mr. You tried um, saying that I wasn't the innocent girl that I portrayed myself to be and 
So it somehow came out that I had had sex with my boyfriend. And so my dad was, um, was kind of pissed off at me, obviously. And then there was also a mixture of like him not wanting to make me feel uncomfortable. So, um, we would go out to breakfast and he would just sit across from me and he wouldn't talk to me. He wouldn't look at me, but he still wanted me to be at breakfast with him. And then there was probably like a year after that that went by that he didn't hug me. Um, he didn't want to touch me uh, because he thought that it would make me feel uncomfortable. Um, but it, I think if anything, it just kind of pushed me further away. And it changed the dynamic in our relationship. And um, because me and my dad were always like a very huggy, like I, you know, would sit on his lap, like far into being a a teenager and just like cuddle up to him. Um, I was always really affectionate with both my parents and that kind of put the kibosh on all of that. And um, it just kind of changed me. And I think after things like that, you know, that people either go one of two two ways. They either become somebody who is very frigid and doesn't want to be touched and, um, like, not a very sexual person. Or you go the other way and you want to gain control over your sexuality and your body. And sometimes you take it to another extreme and end up you know, kind of becoming a little bit loose in your um, morals in that in that way, becoming a little loose, um, which is kind of the direction I went. I um, at first became very frigid, and then I just kind of, like once Vince and I split, it was probably about a year and a half later, I started um, getting out there, and I, I, I really got out there, and... Um, I just started kind of dating guys, but I didn't have respect for men. Um, And I was, and I became like the predator in that way. I would date guys and and multiple guys at the same time. And I didn't know some of them like particularly well. And I, and they would want to get to know me and I just would, you know, I wouldn't want to get close to them. Um, so I would, you know, physically get close to them, but I didn't, I didn't want to know who they were as people. Um, and I discarded them easily and, um, it just, it was just not a very respectful way to treat people. And I did that for such a long time. Um, and I think it just got progressively worse as other scenarios popped up. So Um, In the next segment, I'm going to talk about um, the second time, which is when I was 19. Um, And the next two um, deal with rape. And one was very violent and one was not. um, But both were equally awful. Um, So um, hopefully... uh, I, again, apologize if this makes anybody feel uncomfortable. But I think as women and as truth tellers, it's important to share these stories um, because it's like the statistic is like one in three women 
get raped or sexually assaulted sometime in their lifetime. And I guess the benefit of it happening to me three times is that maybe I saved two other people. For That's what I like to tell myself. That maybe I took two other people's turns. Um, and I guess that makes it worth it to me that, like, I went through that if I could have saved two other people. Um, and, but you should know that if you have been in a situation like that, that you, you're not alone and you will get past it. Um, right now it's like, it's a part of my history, but it doesn't speak to who I am anymore. I think it's sat, you know, and I sat with that for a long time and part of me, you know, was just so angry and I'm still a little disappointed that I didn't fight back with that. But I know that it was just my fear. Um, I just, I, I mean, there's a lot that goes through your mind during times like that. And I think the fight or flight, like I just emotionally took flight. I mentally took flight. I just did not was not able to respond at all, and I froze. So it is very, like, important to me that I empower Aria um, as, a, as her mother. Um, when I was praying for her before she was born, I asked for God to make her strong and a fighter, and I never wanted her to be a victim, and I even said that, that exact thing. I never want her to be a victim. I want her to protect those who are weaker than her, and I want her to be a fighter. And thankfully, she is um, so far. And um, I do plan on putting her into martial arts when she's older. I do plan on teaching her um, how to protect herself. Um, her My my husband, I almost said her husband, my husband is going to teach her how to use firearms from a very young age. Um, for those of you who are not in support of, of kids having guns, I completely understand. Um, but I'd much rather her know her way around weapons than to be curious about them and end up accidentally shooting herself because she doesn't know how to handle a gun. Um, I think it's important to teach kids about guns so that there are less accidents. Um, but I understand that not everybody's going to agree with that. And that's totally okay. It's good to have different differences of opinions um but I will make sure that she is never in my situation and if she is that she knows how to get out of it and handle herself um so um that being said um I hope you guys I don't want to say enjoyed this episode but I hope you guys um found some insight uh if you know someone who's been in that situation um, for them to seek out help, um, just sometimes just be the person that they can, uh, that's there to listen and understand. Um, and even if you don't understand or relate, um, just listening is good enough too. Um, and if it has happened to you, you are not alone. You're not alone. Um, and you survived and you're okay. And um, be a voice for 
people like yourself, for people like me. Speak your truth. The more you talk about it, the less it holds you down. Um, And also, you never know who around you has been in that situation that's really struggling. And that maybe by knowing that they're not alone because they heard your story, that they'll open up about theirs too. Because it can't have power over you if you speak freely about it um, and own what's happened to you. Um, that being said, um, I will talk to you guys about, um, the second time on our next, our next, uh, podcast, which will be next, hopefully next Monday. Again, sorry about the late podcast. I had recorded this and then the sound quality was bad. Um, so this has been my first chance to get this out there, but I apologize for the late podcast, but better late than never, right? Um, I will see you guys next week. In the meantime, stay safe, stay blessed, stay scrappy, and I'll see you soon. Bye.